Material Components Episode 10 Answers at the Tower Greetings and welcome to Material Components, the actual play RPG show all about intelligent items and the adventurers who love them. I am your humble dungeon master, Mike Gorgoni, and joining me as always are my stalwart adventurers. Hey, adventurers, how's it going? Hi. Oh, yar. Good. <laughs> Did I hear yar? Yeah. Yar. We're on a barge. Okay. We're on a barge. <laughs> Um, hello, I am Olivia. I will be playing uh, Tears of Cloakbearer, Child of the Outer Storm. I am Elliot, and I am playing Cherish, the Tiefling Sorcerer. I am Michael, and I will be playing Sid, the Half-Elf Rogue. Hey, I'm Reed, and I'll be playing Grawl, the Hobgoblin Warlock. Indeed. So, eschewing the question I ask every time, we find ourselves at the end of your nine-day journey. The tower rests before you just at the mouth of the Mage's Reach River. Your destination is but a few scant hours away. You recall the days that brought you here. The slow winding on bargeback moving down the river. Some of the intrigue and infighting that brought you to this point. The scarred remnants of the barges you sit upon have testaments to the trials you faced along the way, the most egregious of which happened on the front barge, the hefty bounty. Because you recall how things came to a head on the fourth day of your travels, when the deep fog set in all around you when that strange hooting was answered from the banks of the river with a large, monstrous roar. And on that fourth day, as Tirza rushed into the center of the barge to save the life of a girl she did not know, you faced a monstrosity the likes of which none of you had ever seen. And on that note, I need you all to roll initiative. <laughs> hey, hey, that's more like it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Does everyone else roll good? Roll well. No. Sorry, excuse me. No. I'll be going last. 20? 25. 25. <laughs> Quick boy. To 20. Okay. 10 to 15. 11. Seven for Tirza. Oh god, you guys. Five yeah. to ten. Seven. Seven for Cherish. And Grawl bringing <laughs> up the rear. Uh-huh. Once again. With what? One. What do you got? Again. Oh! Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll see how this plays out. I'll be fine. Maybe sure. we, you may not even need me by the time you're, it rolls out around my hat. turn. Yeah. yeah. He's still catching his breath. I don't yeah. think we're going to be killing this thing in one round. At the center of the barge, you found yourselves pulled into the focus of the troll attack 
on the flotilla. It seems as though their primary goal was to break into the hefty bounty, stealing food and supplies that would otherwise go to the old mage's tower. Having gotten away with several of the crates, you found your way to the center of this barge, following the screams of a terrified young girl who had bonded with a scimitar. She stood in front of the ruined remains of several of the lock wardens. Their bodies turned to a charnel house of blood and broken bodies. Only Nimble Joe seemingly survived the troll's onslaught. But as the normal, smaller types of trolls fled back into the river, you found yourselves confronted with a large, horrific version of the creatures you'd been fighting for most of the morning. This troll, twisted and mutated almost beyond recognition, three legs, a series of arms splitting off of one another, a small, limp arm moving at its back, several faces congealing around its neck and shoulders, its chest heaving in strange ways, its mouth being slowly serrated by its own jagged teeth. This monstrosity, while terrible to behold, is unfortunately familiar to two of you. Grawl and Tirza, you have seen creatures afflicted like this before. Mm -hmm. This troll is suffering from the dire plague, and it is larger and more vicious than any of its counterparts. Crap. Good. That's not good. And as it moves forward, menacing the young girl, Sid, you have a moment to react. Yes. Um, how close is it to the girl? It is about 40 feet away, though under this thing's long strides, that seems as though no distance at all. Okay, I want to slip in before um, he it gets there um, and grab try and grab the girl and then disengage away sort um that's my goal okay yeah so you want to run past the troll to get to the girl yeah okay um do you want to disengage beforehand or do you want to try um, to run past it and risk the opportunity attack um is there any way would i have to disengage to get past it or is there any other way i could get past it without so long as you take the disengage action, none mm -hmm. of the movement you take this turn will provoke opportunity attacks. The disengage action itself doesn't allow you any movement, per se. Okay, gotcha. Um, would I still be able to uh, grab her and carry her, or would that be a separate action? Depends if you use your rogue ability to use disengage as a bonus action or not. I I would like to do that. <laughs> then no, you will have not used your action. Cool. Wh whether or not you have enough movement to get in there and grab the girl is another matter entirely. That's you true. can get past the troll and grab the girl, yeah. but then getting back out is a whole other mess. Whole other mess. Um. Okay. Well then, let's. I'm gonna risk the um, opportunity attack on the way in, and then I'm gonna use disengage to get out. Um, without an opportunity attack. 
because that's more important, I think. Again, you don't have enough movement to do both unless you want to dash. Okay. The disengage doesn't actually give you any movement. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Because how far how far away am I? You are about fifty feet away. Right. Okay. Yeah, I will use. Yeah, I'll use um, the dash and then uh, to get in, and then disengage to get out as the bonus action. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dashing past it for the first time. And it will uh, get an opportunity attack on you. Yeah. Ooh, that's not a good roll. That is going to be a 13 to hit. It's probably not going to do it. No. Okay. Ah, that wouldn't even hit me. Uh, okay. Um, how, the girl is conscious still. Um, yes. And she is cowering back away from the troll. How big is she? She is, she would count as a small creature. She's probably only 10, 11 years old by your guess. And she is clutching a scimitar to her chest. Um, I want to run up. Uh, I want to say, I'm here to say, I'm here to save you. Uh, And then I'm going to try and pick her up. Um, I assume that's a strength check or something. Uh, No, what it's going to be is a persuasion check to see if she'll allow you to pick her up without stabbing you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's not bad. Um, I got. Uh, what would that be? Fourteen. Uh, Fourteen. She looks at you and then looks back to the troll and nods silently. Okay. Great. Um, so I'm gonna pick her up and then I'm going to disengage, um, to get back to where. Nope. No, I can't do that. Because you disengage does not give you any further movement. You would have to dash back and move, like, through the troll again. It already used its opportunity attack, so it doesn't have another reaction to do that again. Thank you. So you don't technically need to disengage. Great. So, yeah, yeah, dash back. Okay. So, So, uh, the troll is now firmly focused on Sid. Sure. Which brings us to Tirza. You've come around this corner into the center of this warehouse, and Sid has blurred past you, grabbed the girl, rushed all the way back, risking a slash from the many-armed troll, and now is standing again next to you, holding this young Jarashir girl. I cast Zone of Truth. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sure. Um, where is Nimble Joe in relationship to me? And how bleed outy is he? Uh, he is 15 feet to your left and very. Okay. Um, can I go to him and just looking at him, can I tell how many, uh, lay on hands points I would have to get him with to stabilize him or to make him not bleedy outy? Uh, Nibble Joe, how many hit points do you have? <laughs> what does that mean? I I don't know. On a scale of one to twenty-five, how are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> it looks as though he is unconscious and currently dying. If you heal him for anything, he will stabilize, but not necessarily be conscious. If you want to get him back up and in the fight, it might take significantly more. Mm. I'm just gonna stabilize him 
and make sure that he's not in danger of bleeding out. Okay. So for how many hit points? Uh, how does... God. How does 15 sound to you? 15 sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay. Whether or not Nimble Joe wakes back up. That's fine. He doesn't need to. I just don't want him to die. <laughs> okay. So, um, and you have 15 more feet of movement if you want to use it. Um, where is, uh, yeah, I'll move towards the troll. Okay. That brings us to the troll. Let's see. It is making up its mind between the young girl moving at him or the thing that stole his prey. Um... Come at me, bro. No, it's going to move right past you, actually. So it does provoke an opportunity attack. Yeah. doesn't give a shit. Can I... I just roll a d20? Roll an attack Wait. roll, yes. Is that just standard? Okay. Mr. Troll, how does 15 sound to you? Uh, 15 is exactly what you need to hit. Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh! DC yeah. is 15. Excellent. <laughs> um, I mean, this they regenerate, so that doesn't Well, but it's nice to know. Um, five points of damage, please. Five points of damage. Okay. So it will continue its movement past you and then move up to Sid, and it will attack you with three of its arms. And yeah. one of its bites. Ah! So. Ten's not going to do it. Nope. Fifteen? Nope. Seventeen. Ugh. That is exactly my AC. Okay. Now those are for the three arm attacks. And then for the bite. Not going to do it. Good. Okay, so it's only hitting you with one of its big, gnarly arms. Gotcha. And keep in mind that it's doing this from about ten feet away. That's how long its reach is. Ooh. And it's going to hit you with just one of its arm attacks mm -hmm. for... 16 That's slashing fine. damage. Cool. What? I would like to uncanny dodge that and make it... Okay. Good. Cool. Let's not get hit by this thing. That's... Yeah. Good thing it attacks four times. Huh. Can we just go leave? <laughs> Let's press the digitation, the little girl somewhere on the shore, and it'll chase that. That's... No. But we can't. You can't do that. Why not? <laughs> Why not? That's that's not what press the digitation is. You could make a thing, a little fake, a little fake girl. You can make a trinket. Yeah. She can't fit in the palm of my hand. It could be a very small <laughs> we have to give we have to give the troll a telescope. No, I d can't afford a spyglass. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. That brings us to Cherish. Alright. I cast I cast slow. Uh right at the troll's feet. Okay. Um, what is the width 
What is the radius for slow? So, slow is a 40-foot cube from the point of casting. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm also going to use careful spell, mm -hmm. uh, which means I spend a sorcery point to choose a number of creatures up to my charisma modifier, which is three. So I choose Grawl, Stid, and Tirza to automatically make the wisdom saving throw that they have to make. Um, so they're good. Okay. So just troll and little girl. Yes. Okay. What kind of saving throw is this? Wisdom? Wisdom. Okay. Uh, I don't think a nine is going to do it. Nope. <laughs> and neither is an 11. Nope. So both little girl and dire troll are slowed. Yes. Okay. Also, at the end of their turns, they can make wisdom saving throws again. Good so... The troll and little girl, I'm not really as concerned about her, but uh, the troll's movement is halved. It has a negative two to its AC and deck saves, which means its AC is 13. Yay. Uh, it cannot use reactions, but it can use an action or a bonus action, not both, and it can only make one attack per turn. Whoa. Boom. You're welcome. Boom. You're welcome. <laughs> what can I say except you're welcome yeah. for the spells that I cast real good. How long <laughs> does that last? For? One minute. Oh, we have to we burn this, this thing, thing quick. quick. How many times well, can you do that? One minute is one minute is ten rounds of combat, y'all. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, real quick. So, Cherish, would you like to move at all? Um Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh good. And nope. I did so, my cool thing, so I'm good. Just to let you know, the troll's about 15 feet in front of you. Okay. Okay. So, that brings us to Grawl. Empêché, um, bitch. How far away am I now from from the uh, um, The troll the is right in front of you. It's maybe only 15 feet away. Again, Great. it has a super Fantastic. long reach, so uh -huh. it can attack from a distance. How how much of a distance? Like 10 feet or 15 10 feet? 10 feet away, yes. Okay, okay. At least that's what it appears to be attacking Sid from. Okay. Um, in that case, I think I want to do something fun and use something I haven't used before, which is mm. Acid Splash. Ooh. Um, and actually, Han, I just need to check the range on it really quick because it might not be... Acid Splash, I believe, is 30 feet. I think that, I think you're right. Favorites, Acid Splash. Oh, it's 60 feet. I could splash mm. so much stuff. Um... Please don't. I'm standing <laughs> behind it. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. In front of it. Uh, you hurl a bubble of acid. Choose one creature within range. Oh, oh cool. Okay, so let's see here. Yeah. Give me that acid. That's a 20. Yeah! Mm, natural 20. Natural 20 on the acid splash? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Get riggedy riggedy wrecked. Um, and since... Um, bu -bu -bus, so, if it's a cantrip, a bonus read. Yes, I'm about to uh, burst your bubble a little bit here, and I apologize. No, no it's acid don't, bubble. Don't, don't do that. As acid splash reads, yeah. you hurl a bubble of acid. Choose one creature within range, or two creatures within range that are within five feet of each other. The target must just succeed a dexterity saving throw or take okay. the damage. The attack roll means nothing. Yes. Well, all right then, but um, so it that's just good for for, for moral support. That that sure. was that, since I rolled a one on my initiative. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I believe due to the slow spell, it is suffering. Uh, Neg negative two. Yeah. Negative yeah. two to its deck save. Oh, uh, that's deck save. Okay. Ooh. Uh, let's see. 
So it would have rolled a 19 minus 2 plus 2 because of its deck, so it's still a 19. Mm. Sorry. Okay. So it is not taking any acid damage this turn. Anything else you would like to do? Yeah, I'm going to move away. Uh, how much farther away? How much more can I get away? So, you are located at the center of a maze of crates and barrels in the middle of the Hefty Bounty Barge. Moving away requires losing sight of the central battlefield where you are fighting the troll. And As it stands, you have about five feet behind you before you hit a bend in the crates. Then you would have to proceed down another corridor and lose line of sight with the dire troll. And Sid left already? No, Sid's standing just in front of you. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll stay here. Because it can only attack us once. Because of the slow, right? Yes. For now. Yeah, for now. Okay, I'll deal with this problem when it gets further down the road. Right now, we're going to try and kill this thing. As long as I can hit it. So, yep, that's fine. Okay. That brings us back to the top with Sid. Okay, so I still have the, the girl... Yes. Um, I want to get her away, um, so I'm going to go back um, maybe uh, I'm, well, I'm going to move away um, 30 feet, I guess, just to like get her out of the, the main battle area. Okay. Before, you were sort of dragging her along and helping her run with you. Yeah. As you try to do that now, she's moving perceptibly slower as though moving in slow motion and as you try to drag her along her footsteps are slowing down okay. so you, to move her at full speed you're going to have to carry her okay uh yeah i'm gonna try that so give me a strength check okay. or an athletics roll whichever is higher they're both the same <laughs> that's pretty good that's 10 <laughs> so you can pick up the girl and move at half speed okay that's fine i'll move 15 feet all right so you get back to the edge of the corridor behind all of your allies mm -hmm. um and then can i drop her off sure there um and I, I i realize that you're moving a little slow i'm sorry about that but try and get as far away from here as possible. Cute. We're going to take care of this. And she slowly nods at you. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to um, use... Oh, Nimble Joe is slowed too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't even roll for Nimble Joe. Yeah. He's, too, he's too nimble. Nimble Joe's too nimble. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's unconscious, but he's fine. Yeah. He has well, inherent he nimbleness. Roll? He rolled a... That was a wisdom saving throw? Yeah. 19. Oh, yeah. He's good. Yeah, yeah, he's so good. smart. Um, okay. And then I would like to use my... All you so if I basically have left is your bonus action. My bonus action. Okay. Use your action to pick up the girl and move her away. Yes. Um, so I'm going to use my uh, bonus action to um, basically dash back um, to where I was. Maybe just outside of 
the the trolls reach. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah. So maybe a little bit farther back from where I was standing before, but I want to be. I don't know, basically move myself back into the fight. Okay. Uh, draw my sword and and just. You are standing even now with Grawl and Cherish. Okay. Great. Which brings us to Tirza. You are about five feet behind the troll. Though you can see that there is a horrible, melted face growing out of the small of its back, so it can, in fact, see you. Ew. Thanks. Um, if it helps, I... the face on its back doesn't have any teeth, except growing around its eyes like horrible eyebrows. Oh, mm -hmm. why, why are you going to say that stuff? I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um... <laughs> don't know let me take a look here um i'm going to i don't know what i'm gonna do yet okay. uh, but it's gonna be an attack sure <laughs> um that will require you to move up about 10 feet that's perfectly fine uh well i have a javelin so it won't um Sorry. Give me one second. I can never remember what I can actually do and what I can't. It's really a problem. That's what your GM is here for. To remind <laughs> you what you're incapable of. <laughs> wow. Um. Oh, actually, you know what? I am going to move forward. And I'm going to attack it with my javelin as a melee. Uh, and cast Divine Smite at second level. Sounds good. So you're going to... Make the attack roll first before you burn the divine smite. Mm -hmm. Is it flanked? No. Because everyone out in front chose to stay away. It's <sighs> big, okay? Even for, for me, well, it's big. Thank, thank... <laughs> I rolled a two, so that's not so going to do it, even with my attack bonus. Nine. Seven. No. Yeah. Nope, that's not going to do it, which brings us to the troll. Tirza is the closest thing that it is aware of, so it is just going to reach around with one of those horrible arms growing out of its elbow and try to slash at you in a slow, ponderous motion. Though, if it hits, it's going to hurt. Yeah, noticed. Oh, boy, oh. That is going to be a 19 versus your AC. <laughs> I'm probably going to be unconscious in a second, guys. Uh, yeah, that's going to be it. So, one of these huge raking claws comes down at you. And while it's moving slow, it's not moving so slow as to not be deadly. And it's going to hit you for 10 slashing damage. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> Whew, okay. That's okay. fine. Whew. Got a little extra sweaty there. Ooh. Yeah, I got really, I got yeah, really worried. Me, <laughs> me too. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, I just want everyone to know. Um, Tirza is looking rough. Physician, heal thyself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> sorry, by the way, What little damage was dealt to this thing by uh, any attacks previous has sealed up horribly. Yep. And little hardened, calcified nougats are forming where the wounds were. Ugh. Yeah, I hate that. 
That brings us to Cherish. I am going to cast Burning Hands as a second level spell. Uh, that's one of the free ones I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to point it at the troll's like face. Uh, so basically, that's a 15 foot cone pointed upwards. Okay, you're basically aiming this up so that it doesn't hit Tirza. Yes, yes, good, I am. Good call. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. No problem. <laughs> uh, so uh, the troll has to make a deck save. Yeah, so it's also got a minus two from that? Yes, it does. <laughs> That's a botch. Oh, so, woof. Because this is a botch on a spell attack saving throw, we are going to treat this as a critical hit for your spell. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That is how we do things here on Material Components. All right. Uh, so the base level damage on that is uh, 24. Nice. Uh, and now I'm going to roll four more d6s. Yeah, you are. Cool. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god, that's another 24. Yeah. How did you roll, roll all, all four sixes? sixes? I don't know. Oh yeah. Like, like awesome. I'm prepared. I, can... I don't know how to make it so that I can prove that. I can Elliot, go upstairs and yeah. take a picture. a picture of this with your phone right Yes, now. like, like right? My hand has not uh -huh. moved. You have yep. not seen my yeah, shoulder, yeah. Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then my other hand has always been on my face because yes. this is so, <laughs> so absurd. Cool. Here, in fact... Amazing. It's less that we don't believe you and more that we just we just want to see its glory. See it glory. Yeah. Confirm okay. the glory. I'm going to send... I'm going, <laughs> okay, no, that's... And honestly, that's totally fair. That's totally yeah. fucking fair. I'm about to send it to the Material Components Facebook chat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you need a second set of eyes, I can also go upstairs. I will keep my hands in full view. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Let's check this thing Look out. out. Yeah, fair enough. So... Sometimes is... I do believe in miracles. Mm -hmm. Where are you it from? Eight. <laughs> points of fire damage. The fire damage. That's so much. <laughs> so much damage. And I'm going to use my very favorite dice, mm -hmm. which is the body part dice, mm -hmm. to figure out what limb has just been scorched off. Hell yeah. <laughs> I hope it's a face. Alright, so left arm. Okay. So, yes! One of its left arms is just turned to cinder, and it mm -hmm. lets out this low, reverberating bellow of rage. Just... It is pissed, and it is hurt. And in my head, I say to Maz, oh, wait, can I make a reference to the lost episode? Yes. Okay, in my head, I say to Maz, in reference to her bitching at me about hating Phineas Feinbrook. Sometimes it pays to not be subtle. And that's what I've been telling you the whole time, child. Can I put my hands down now? Sure. Okay. Nope, keep them up. Reach for the sky. <laughs> yep. Um, well, uh, seeing as how that acid splash didn't work, uh, Grawl is going to uh, use his... Uh, What's it called? Hexblade's curse on this monstrosity, um, okay. because 
you know, I I want to I want to hurt this thing a lot because I want to yeah. be cool just like Cherish. Um, and I'm gonna rush in for a uh, a great sword swing on one of this thing's body parts. I don't know. Where's the extra face on its back? It has several. You're finding out. Oh no! There is a tiny little head growing out of its neck with an extra face. It has another face growing out of the small of its back, and you can see on its left pectoral, there are several eyeballs with some random scattered teeth jutting out of the skin. I don't like Whether or not that constitutes a face, I don't know. That's up to you, I suppose. Okay, okay. Well, funsies. So, let's see here. Come on, baby. Uh, That's probably not going to hit. That is a 12. Oh, 12. And you, wait, did you rush in to attack with your sword? Yeah. So, because Tirza is behind it, you are now flanking this thing. <gasps> so you have advantage on the attack roll. Yeah. Excellente. Oh, that's much better. That's a 24. Does it, <laughs> Does it count as flanking when it has, has so many faces? <laughs> You're still attacking it from multiple angles, so yes. It's having to split its attention. And you don't know how many of those eyes are in fact vestigial, so who knows? Yeah. Right. You know a lot of brain power to work that many eyes. Yeah, and trolls are slightly lacking in that. In the brain department. Okay. So. So a 24, I'm guessing, hits. Mm-hmm. Yay. Okay. 2d6. Uh, six plus. That's uh ten. Ten slashing damage. Yeah, and I also it, with a curse, I also get to add. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm reading. I'm reading. I'm reading. Uh, you can get bonus damage rolls against curse target. The bonus equals your proficiency bonus. Nice. So I get bonus is currently plus three, I yep. believe. So that'll be thirteen. So thirteen slashing damage. Yep. Which Eldritch invocations do you have? I'm just curious. I have, have Eldritch Sight, and what's the other one? Uh, improved Pact. So the improved Pact weapon. Yes. Okay, and if I am not mistaken. Um, for the purposes of overcoming damage resistance, this counts as a magic weapon. Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, you do the full 13. Booyah. How's this thing looking? Fine. Ugly. Yeah. Fine, but pissed. (laughs) Yeah, it's, just for reference, it's also, like, 19 feet tall. This thing is gigantic. (sighs) All these tall things vexing me. Grawl, anything else you'd like to do on your turn? Um, nope. You used your bonus action to cast the Hexblade's Curse. You yep. used your movement to get up to it, and you attacked once with your greatsword. Oh, right. Yes, I get to attack twice with my greatsword. I wasn't trying to play your character. No, I forget about that. I know you do, buddy. That's okay. All right. Let's see if this one hits. Nope, that's not going to hit. Okay. That one will hit. That one's a 22. 22 will, in fact, hit. Yeah. Uh, seven, 11. And that's a 14. 
14. Very nice. So that brings us back around to Sid. Oh, great. Uh, all right, Stormpiercer, let's show them what we got. Um, and I'm going to run up um, basically next to Grawl. Um, so he like does two slashes. And then as like his blade lowers, um, the creature sees uh, Stormpiercer um, come up and try and stab it in one of its... Actually, I don't know if I can reach its vestigial face. No. Um, you yeah. can get to the one on its lower back if you went around it, but... Go for the crotchal um, zone. Crotchal zone. Um, I'm going to aim for... Um, I'm just going to cut... No, I'm going to aim for the chest. Okay. Sort of like Center under of where I would Where I would think one of the rib cages are. Sure. Or whatever it is. Um, okay. Getting close to this thing, it becomes pretty obvious that its bone structure is disturbing and unnatural. Ugh. Cool. That's going to be 20. I mean, it's probably going to hit. Uh, it's going to be 24. 24 will hit. Really wanted to crit. And you are flanking. You had advantage on the attack. So this is a sneak attack. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's not good. That's really bad. Fuck you. Had to, um, had to balance out that roll on Elliot's part. Yeah. Uh, six plus... Um, so it's... Uh, 15 damage. 15 damage. Um, and I would like to um, use um, fancy uh, footwork to uh, step away. Okay. How far uh, back do you want to get away from this thing? Uh, about 15 feet. Okay. So basically back to where you were. Pretty much. <laughs> Fair enough. That brings us to Tirza. Uh, yeah, let's try this garbage again. Uh, I'm assuming that we are still flanking it. Yes, indeed. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to say that that 22 is probably going to hit. Yeah. And I'm going to do Divine Smite. All right. What level spell slot are you burning? Two. Second level spell slot. So that is three extra D8, if I am not mistaken. It is... Uh, 2d8 plus 1d8 per level. So I think right. it's just two extra. Right? Well, you have to burn a first level spell to use it normally, and that's 2d8, yes. Mm -hmm. So if you make it a second level spell, that's one extra d8. Yeah. So. Ooh. Uh, okay, that's seven and six. And two. And then do I also get to make my uh, melee damage attack? Oh my goodness. I love it. I love using spells. <laughs> uh, that's just three extra. Three plus your strength modifier, yes? That's including my strength modifier. It's just three? I rolled a one. Okay, and you only have plus two to your strength? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, and the other was, how much radiant damage did you deal with the smites? 
15? Uh, 7 plus 6 plus 2, yeah, 15. All right. So the smite damage is as effective as you believe it should be. The regular javelin damage isn't nearly as damaging as it perhaps should be. Yeah. It seems as though your regularly infused weapon isn't having as great of an effect as it perhaps should have. But the magic is doing fine. Cool. So, that brings us to the troll. It was burned last turn, so it's not going to be regenerating any hit points, which is very good. Because this thing regenerates like a motherfucker. But it is going to make an attack. Let's see. God, I'm so... Not Slytherin. Not Slytherin. Not Slytherin. It is going to take a big, wide step over Grawl and Sid. So it's going to provoke an <laughs> yeah. opportunity attack from Tirza, but not Sid and Grawl, because it's remaining within your melee range. Okay. I wanted to swing uh, is that 20 going to do it? 20 will hit. Cool. And I'm assuming because it's stepping away from me, I have to throw to make that opportunity. No, it, you're basically stabbing at it as it's moving away. Okay. Four extra damage. All right. And again, it doesn't seem as though it's as effective as it maybe should. Because it's just a normal little old javelin. Mm -hmm. So then, now standing behind Grawl and Sid, it is going to make a slashing attack at Cherish. Yeah, that tracks. pissed about being lit on fire. Yeah, well, maybe it shouldn't be alive. Oof. So, how does a 26 set with you? <laughs> I mean, not great. It's not great. Yeah, so much for physician healing myself. I'm to save go all these chuckleheads. That is going to be 12 slashing damage. Oh, okay, I'm fine. Well, I mean, I'm not fine, but I'm not dead. So. <laughs> Ooh, and I've been forgetting to make its wisdom saving throw at the end of every turn. That's okay. Oh, oh whoops, no, that'd be five. What is your spell save DC, Cherish? 14. 14. Okay. Ah, so close. Yes. Okay. So I have eight, I'm, I have eight rounds left on this. Seven after this round. Is Seven done. after this round. Okay. Cool. I've been keeping track, but I, I had forgotten to X one out. Speaking of which, we are now over to... Oh, by the way, Cherish, See? I believe slow is a concentration spell. Yes, so and you... burning hands is not. Yes, but it damaged yep. you. Oh, it did damage me, didn't it? Oh, balls. Mm. Uh, what so, do I have to do for that? You roll a constitution saving throw and get higher than half the damage or 10, whichever is higher. In this case, you need to roll better than a 10. Better than a 10. Or a 10 or higher, I should say. Ooh, well, uh, so that's a 19 plus 4. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty good. I don't know so, the math. Yes, I don't know. You, are, you continue to concentrate on the slow spell. Yes. And now it is your turn. Your constitution yes. is plus four. Yeah, I have the advantage. I have proficiency in constitution saving throws as oh, a nice. sorcerer, I think. Mm -hmm. Which, Sick. cool. Really nice. <laughs> okay. Um, so you can concentrate on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like saving throws. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I am going to use beep, 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 five uh, sorcery points. Okay. <laughs> to get back one third level spell slot. Yep. And then I am going to cast Fireball 
eight feet above the troll's head. Okay. Because Grawl is about six feet tall, yeah? Yeah. And that would put him out of the 20-foot radius deck save range. Yes. Yes. Just making sure I did that math right. That was mm -hmm. all of this earlier. That mm -hmm. was that was me trying to do the math okay. in my head. Okay. Yep. So it needs to make For an dexterity the... saving throw? Yes. yes. For the audio listeners, Elliot has been uh, measuring heights using their own hands. <laughs> I thought Elliot was just doing like like doing imaginary hitting like high notes. Yes, <laughs> that too. It rolled a it rolled an eight mm -hmm. on its dexterity saving throw. I'm guessing that yes. doesn't make it. It does not. Yeah. So roll me fireball damage. Ooh. All right. So that is And just to be precise, you said eight. How many feet above its head? Eight. Okay. How tall is the ceiling? Sorry, that fell out of... God damn it! Fell out of my hand. I'm rolling in my once. I hate it when Mike smiles over there like that. He I know. So it's happy. like I'm going to set the warehouse on fire. It's fine. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to happen. 19. You did say the ruined remains. <laughs> uh, so that's 25. 25 fire damage. Yes. Very good. Hope there's no explosives in here. Yeah. Yep. Well, all I know is that fire damage keeps them from regenerating, so. A massive detonation goes off above the troll. The upper half of its body is consumed with swirling golden fire. The roof of the warehouse, which is only 10 feet above the troll's head, is also consumed with fire. It spreads out like a blossom moving across the ceiling and the rafters therein. All of which is now catching fire. Cool. How fast that fire spreads, we will determine with some rolls as the turns move on. I will say at the top of every round, I'm going to roll percentile dice. And it's going to start as just a 20% chance of the fire spreading. But for every successive time the fire spreads, it will continue to get higher and higher. Okay. But I didn't take hey. gusts of wind this morning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that brings us to Grawl, unless Cherish would like to move at all. Um, yeah, actually, I would like to move, uh, this is going to sound bad, but I promise it's not. I'm going to start moving out of the warehouse. <laughs> Great. So you want to you retreat 30 feet back down the little, uh, corridor? Yes. Okay. Do because... I, do I kind of have a reasonable idea of how quickly I can get back out? Within two rounds. Okay. Um, do you need to maintain visual to maintain concentration? I was literally just about to ask that. No, that just no, occurred to me. Okay. okay. You have to main with you have to remain within the spell's range, I believe. Uh, and the range is quite large. Uh, yeah. well, 100, 120 feet. Okay. Cool. So if you got to the edge of the warehouse, you'd still be within range, assuming this thing isn't chasing you. 
Right. Yeah, which hey, I just also I... exploded it. So, but I'm I actually can I yell something out as a free action? Sure. Yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna say, hey, I know I just set this barge on fire. I'm gonna go get help with that. Okay. As you're running down this twisted corridor of stacked crates and barrels, you catch up with the fleeing Jarashir girl, who is moving very slowly. Yeah. Wait, wasn't concentration broken? Nope. No. Nope. I'm still within the range of the spell, so... Mm -hmm. has, has she been rolling, um... Oh yeah, no. Uh, her saving throws are garbo. I, I would imagine she's a small child. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, that brings us to Grawl. Yay! Um, so it stepped over us, right? Yes, you are now behind it. Okay, yay. Um, well, since it worked so well last time, um, why not? Uh, do I want to use Hellish Rebuke now? You are no uh, longer flanking the creature, so you no longer have advantage. Right. And Hellish Rebuke can only be used as a reaction when you are damaged. Right, right. I, I'm just like, do I want to save other things for later? Or do I want to use that if I get hit? Um, but I'm just going to swing at him with my sword. Okay. I think well, that's an attack roll. Yeah. Uh, that is a... Is my math. Uh, 21. 21 will hit. Yay. So first attack. Six plus... 13. 13 damage? Yep. Alright. And attack two. Come on, baby. Uh, that is going to be a 13. 13 to hit? Yeah. Uh, it's not going to hit, is it? Because of the slow spell, in fact, it will. Mm -hmm. God, Cherish is the best. <laughs> Cherish is just awesome. Ever, everyone Cherish loves is the Cherish. best. Um, okay. Well, in that case, time to roll some damage. Fifteen. Fifteen damage. Fifteen damage. Excellent. This thing is not looking good. We knew that. We, we Not being able to regenerate is really cramping the troll's style, which brings us to Sid. Um, I would like to move in front of it um, and stab it in the face if I can. All right. Um, well, no. not the face, you could, unless you want to run up this thing's chest. Oh, so anime. That would be cool. Would I still... Would, it, would that still be flanking? But I'm still... Kind yeah. of? Kind of? Yeah, sure. Mostly I just uh, ask for an acrobatics check to get up this thing. Okay. Uh, I still have... I've used two of the uh, daily uh, acrobatics advantage, so I'm going to mm -hmm. use another one. That would be... 22. 22 is going to hit. Great. Um... Or 22 is the, the um, acrobatics check. Um, yeah, that'll get you up the troll. Cool. Uh, and then I'm going to roll. So, 
bounding up its calf, bouncing off of its knee, planting a leg on a horrible bone spur jutting out at the lower end of its ribs, and then leaping up to come down towards one of its faces. You roll an attack roll, and it is a what? Uh, that is going to be a 22? 22 will hit. Cool. Uh, 20 damage. 20 damage. Oh boy. Okay. Um, give me one more acrobatics check as you land in front of the troll. Okay. Uh, I got um, 21. Okay, you land fine. Cool. As opposed to like in its mouth or something. <laughs> right, yeah. That brings us to Tirza. Um, I am going to, um, I'm going to throw my, my little javelin and I'm going to, uh, use divine favor. Which does? Uh, adds an extra 1d4. Let's see. I think it's just one extra 1d4. Okay. Or of radiant damage. Gotcha. Sorry. This thing is shaking wobbly on its two legs. It seems as though whatever blow Sid dealt to its primary head has killed the primary head, so it's only the tertiary heads keeping this thing moving. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, Wowzers, Bowsers, I rolled a three, so that's not going to hit. Um, no, indeed. But for up to a minute or until my concentration is lost, I get an extra one radiant damage. So All let's right. see if that'll even matter. That was a javelin throw, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that brings us to the troll. It cannot regenerate because of stupid fireballs. I think they're it great. Can <laughs> attack though. It's kind of pissed at Sid, so it's going to take a swing at Mr. Sid. 23? Yeah, that's going to hit. Okay. Mm, that is going to be 9 slashing damage. Cool. I'd like to use Uncanny Dodge and have that. Yeah, I kind of figured. God, if it was making all of its attacks. Uh, it's going to try to save against Slow. Ah, 12's not going to do it? Nope. Just shutting this troll down. Uh, that brings us to Cherish. Uh, I am going to swig a healing potion while I run. Okay. Standard healing potion. All right. So that's 2d4, 2d4. 2d4 plus 2. Uh, 6. I'm at 11. All right, that's me. Okay, so you move 30 more feet and swig a healing potion. Yes, and sir. And just FYI, the fire has not spread, though it looks as though the rafters above you are burning. Okay. But it is not spreading down to the crates and barrels that's just good. yet. 
Good. Good store. Get some water on. That brings us to Grawl. Yay. Um, how has it moved away from me? We're just shutting no, this thing down. No, it sort of just We're still it lunged down and attacked Sid. Yay, not me. Um, okay, well, uh, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's swing away at this nerd. Come on! Uh, 19. 19? Yes. That will hit. Perfect. Attack one. Uh, eight. 15. All right. How do you attack this thing? Uh, so is it bent over? Yeah, it's sort of leaning over, attacking Sid with one of its charred arms. Am I... Its primary head sort of lolling to one side. Great, cool. It's lolling to one side. Do I have an angle at, like, the nape of its neck? You would have to, like, leap up and chop down. Why not? Because <laughs> it's your acrobatics. Yeah. Let's so, see Grawl, you lunge up and with a horrible squelching noise your great sword cleaves through this thing's primary head severing it at the neck and buries itself in the tertiary head that lets out a horrible gasping vomiting sound as blood and what looks like bone fragments begin spilling out of its neck so it just starts flailing and jittering on the ground and it falls right in front of you the whole thing the whole thing Oh. Uh, just in case, I have an extra attack, just in yeah, case. Yeah, do it! <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if it hits the not-moving target. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a 15. Uh, 15 will hit. Yay, okay. 3, 7, 11, 14 damage. Okay. That brings us to Sid. Uh, yeah, I'm also going to stab this thing again. Okay. Um, I do I, not trust this thing. Yeah, yeah, same, super. I just sit and growl, just standing there stabbing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eventually, I flip the blade over to the flat side and just start whacking at it. <laughs> um, it's going to be uh, 25. That'll hit. The nice. not moving gigantic <laughs> corpse. <laughs> uh, I feel like everything's case. gonna hit. Yeah. I did. I, I just want to remind everyone that I did impart the wisdom that fire keeps it from regenerating last last session. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True. That's true. <laughs> As he rolls stab damage. Yeah. As he rolls yeah, stab damage. Um, We're angry. It's been, it's been a long day. God, and it's only like eight in the morning. Uh, Nineteen. Nineteen damage. Okay. Oh, so cool. That bring do you do anything else? Um I feel pretty happy with uh with this. Uh and so I'm going to um I'm gonna maybe take a look around, see if anything looks uh particularly uh explosive in this um, area. 
Okay. You'll probably end up spending your next turn doing that, as that will be an investigation check, and you spent your turn stabbing. That brings us to Tirza. Yeah. Um. Can I see Aisha? Or she? she's among the stacks? She is among the stacks at the moment. Okay. You would not be able um, to see her from where you are. Can I... Uh, can I do my 30 feet of movement and then if I can't see her, I can use my dash? Yes. Okay. I'm going to do that then. Okay. You move 30 feet out into the first little curve corridor to Mm -hmm. get back towards the hole in the wall where you all entered. And you see her slowly going around a second corner. She's still in front of me? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to dash to her position and try to pick her up. Okay. Uh, you can dash to her. You can't pick her up because that was your action yeah. to do so. Mm-hmm. That brings us to the troll who will begin to regenerate because yep. no one hit it with fire, fire or damage. acid damage. So, it oh, is God. back up to... Yeah, it comes back up to 10 hit points and you did grawl you see this thing suddenly jerk to motion. Its whole body sort of rippling with these horrible bony spurs that begin sticking out of its flesh wherever you stabbed it. It seems as though the blood that is leaking out of it is beginning to calcify rapidly. Gross. Yeah, super gross. The head that you chopped off begins going and moving along the ground. (laughs) Yeah, that's... Like those little wind-up teeth. Yeah, except it's going to go after Sid. Um, the body is going to attack Grawl, though. Oh, okay. So, that is going to be a 20 versus AC? Yeah, that'll hit. Alright. Four. Eight. No, yeah, eight slashing damage. Eight slashing damage. Okay. So, Sid. Mm-hmm. A head the size of a Labrador is rolled towards you, and with these horrible, like, cheek serrated teeth, is going to try to bite you. Okay. Uh, Nine's not going to do it, though. Nope. Okay, so that was the troll's turn, and that brings us to Cherish. Uh, Can I get out of the hole? You can get to the edge of the hole this turn if you dash. Uh, oh yeah, I could have been dashing this whole time. God damn it! Well, you wouldn't have been able to drink the potion last turn if you had. Mm, that's true, but I could have dashed the first time I did it. Um, I'm gonna get to the edge of the hole and start like yelling fire. I'm sure that I don't like need to. I'm sure that it's pretty evident, but I am gonna start yelling fire. As you reach the edge of the hole, you see more and more of the crew in dire straits as those strange tentacled creatures are assaulting the edges of the boat. Any creature within range are being attacked by these horrible hooting monstrosities. Son of a butt. (laughs) Just in front of the hole, you see Captain Guru hook hand and cutlass akimbo in one-on-one combat with a lesser troll. It was one of the ones that attempted to steal a large supply of food and get away. Okay. Well, at least it's not logged this time. It's true. Yeah. 
and you cry fire and no one seems to pay yeah, you any attention. Son of a I have to do everything myself. That brings us to Grawl. Um, okay. Well, uh, let's, let's, let's do, let's do green flame blade. Okay. Let's set this jerk on fire again. I, I, and how far away is the head? The head is about 15 feet away attacking Sid. Oh, it's 15 feet. Well, that's just the space that the whole troll's body basically takes okay. up. Because green flame Again, blade... this thing is gigantic. Um, so I'm going to make a melee attack against big dude. Okay. With my sword. No advantage on this one? Nope. Come on. Uh, that is a 16. 16 will just hit. Okay. And then let's do some damage. Ooh, not great that time. Uh, plus that is a ten. Ten is all the hit points it had. <laughs> and then I'm gonna set it on fire with green flame blade. Uh, so green flame blade hits when you attack. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, suffers the attacks normal uh, normal effects and green fire leaps from the target to a different creature of your choice that you can see within five feet of that target. Which so, should be a tiny little head, right? I'm just it's the size of a dog. <laughs> In comparison, <laughs> it's tiny. Uh, read me green flame blade specifically. I want to As make part of the action used to cast this spell, you must make a melee attack with a weapon against one creature within a spell's range. Uh, range is five feet. And I was mm -hmm. hugging this dude. Otherwise, uh, spells rage. Otherwise, the spell fails. Okay, great. Uh, on the hit, the target suffers the attack's normal effects, and green fire leaps from the target to a different creature of your choice that you can see within five feet of it. The second creature takes fire damage equal to your spellcasting ability modifier. Okay, but the primary target does not take fire damage. Mm, I mean, it, the fire leaps from one thing to another. It's hard for it to leap from something that it's not not on fire. I don't know. It doesn't. It does not say. And I know it not saying. Uh, uh, the spell's damage increases when you reach higher levels. At fifth level, the melee attack deals an extra one d8 fire damage to the target, and the fire damage to the second creature increases to one d8 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. Oh yeah. So, so it so it does do fire yeah. damage to the first target. Right. Only because he's fifth level. Yes. Oh. Well, that's good. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> so what is the fire damage you deal uh spell casting ability and modifier at fifth level um 1d8 fire damage to the uh, yes hang on i need to grab a d8 i don't have one readily accessible yeah that's an eight Okay, so 18 damage, 8 of which is fire. Mm -hmm. The body goes back down, smoldering in green flame. That brings us... Well, unless you would like to move. Oh, and then... Um, bu -bu 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 -bu, and the fire damage to the second creature increases to 1d8 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. So the tiny little head. Is it jumping to the head? 
the target it has to jump to is within five feet, yes? Yeah. Of the primary target? Yes. Okay, then yeah, it can attack the head. Okay. Uh, 1d8 plus my spellcasting ability modifier, so 3 plus 1. Dang it. So 4. <laughs> so 4. Head takes 4 fire damage. Alright, that brings us to Sid. How's the, how's the head looking? It is a decapitated head. Is it it doesn't look great. Um, it is still moving. But it is slightly singed. Um, I have uh, a flask of oil. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Um, roll me, roll me two d ten as this thing just goes up like a freaking hibachi. Okay. I like the way you think good uh that was seven okay you needed six so <laughs> this thing just was and you hear it, and it <laughs> turns into a horrible smelling briquette <laughs> as you pour lighter fluid on it essentially would you like to move it all um it looks pretty like they are both the head and the corpse are now crispy crispy and not moving is that correct they are actively burning yes actively burning okay um i would like to um and there's still fire above us mm -hmm. um i would like to investigate the room i mean i, I might have to wait and investigate. yeah you basically spent your turn pulling out the flask of oil and dumping it on this thing okay um uh yeah i'm just gonna I'll, i'm gonna that's my turn i guess okay um yeah tirza yeah um if i move um i would like to pick up isha mm -hmm. and i rolled well at the while michael was talking and i rolled a 21 on your athletics oh yeah okay um and then I would like to move her as far as it takes for her to start moving at a normal rate again, if I can, if that's within my 30 feet. No. Okay. Then I would like to run my full 30 feet. Okay. Hoisting okay. this little girl over your shoulder, you move your full 30 feet, winding through the crates and barrels towards where? Uh, Towards where we entered from. Okay. And oh, I can't dash with her, can I? No. Okay. Well, you spent your action basically lifting, lifting her. her. Yeah. So, uh, Troll is dead. We are effectively out of initiative now. Woo! Okay. <laughs> Feels good. As you find yourselves in the midst of this pitched battle, the strange aberrations of the river fighting the trolls, fighting the barge people fighting you. It is a all-out chaotic melee that drags on through the morning. Eventually, the trolls are driven off, but... Really, really fast. I, can I save Nimble Joe? He's still unconscious and in the burning building. I mean, I'm right there. I'll grab him. Okay, cool. <laughs> you manage to save what people you can. Thankfully, the fire does not spread fast enough to cause any 
real damage to the contents of the barge, having rolled quite a few percentile rolls. The fire never actually managed to spread, hey. so that's nice. Okay. <laughs> I did have a contingency plan, but... Come mid-afternoon, as the sun begins to break apart the dense fog that filled the area, you find yourselves on the smoldering foredeck of the hefty bounty. Captain Guru, having lost his peg leg at some point in the combat, is leaning haggardly against one wall and will simply mutter black curses about fairy sorcery. Okay. Alright, that makes him happy. And I think it is there that we will take our break. And when we return, we shall find out what else your journey had in store for you. Greetings, my friends. Omatep Duskwalker here, owner and proprietor of Duskwalker Import and Export TM. Here today to talk to you again about an item that, well, look, maybe we should have covered precisely what this thing is ages ago. And that is, of course, the deck of many things. Our heroes have been traipsing around with this thing in their pocket for a little while now, eh? This item is truly a thing of legend. And considering how simple its appearance is, it can be rather deceiving, and that is part of its chaotic charm. They usually appear in a small box or a pouch that contains a number of cards made of ivory or vellum. Most decks of many things that you find will only have 13 cards in them, some unfortunate souls having already drawn from the deck. But if you are lucky enough to find an unspoiled deck of many things, it will contain 22 cards. This may sound like a good thing, but <laughs> believe me, it's not. Each of these cards produces a unique and extremely powerful magical effect. Some of them good, some of them very much not good. Some cards can grant you wishes, grant you riches beyond your wildest dreams, while others can create dire enemies for you somewhere in the world, or summon the avatar of death itself to slay you. There is even a card that makes you disappear when you draw it. You are then trapped in an extra-dimensional space with no way out, immune to divination magic so your friends can't even find you. It's crazy stuff. But if you think all of that is worth the risk, all you need do is lay your hand upon the deck of many things and declare how many cards you are about to draw. Any cards you draw after that declared amount actually don't have any effect, so you could just say, I draw zero cards, and then rifle through the deck to see what's in there. That's a little loophole from your friend Omatep. But honestly... I think just carrying this thing around is bad news, no matter what you're planning with it. It just isn't worth it. But I'm sure you're telling yourself, but Omatep, I could gain levels, I could get the services of a grand shining knight. And all I say to you is, Avatar of Death. Look, I have been on many journeys and seen many things in my times hopping across the multiverse, and I can tell you this. If there is one thing you do not want to cross, it is an avatar of death. It's right there in the name. Honestly, I am just super glad that my friend Cherish has not drawn any cards from this deck. Who knows what could happen? 
Now, while I do in fact have one or two decks of many things here in stock at Duskwalker Import and Export, they are not currently for sale. Okay, what are you willing to pay for them? Anything? Okay, maybe they are for sale. Uh, 50% off. Alright, anyway, let's get you back to the action. And welcome back to Material Components. When last we left our heroes, they had overcome a horrific dire troll, which had led an incursion of other abominable creatures onto the sides and centers of the barges they were riding on. Having overcome the troll chieftain weapon, who really knows? It's dead now anyway. You found your way into the chaos of the mid-morning brawl that had spilled out over all three barges. Fast-forwarding, the trolls and strange waterlogged hooting abominations have been overcome by the mid-afternoon as the sun breaks through dense fog that had filled the morning. You find yourselves victorious, having successfully defended the barges having to spread your protection over all three with the lock wardens for the most part having been taken well out of the line of duty some of them having been dragged into the water some of them having been completely decimated by the dire troll as you collect yourselves and find what rest you can in brief moments of sitting and heavy breathing Looking around, you see that there are a few notably missing faces of those who have survived the attack. There are obviously far fewer lock wardens than there were at the start of this journey. Most of their number having been killed by the troll. <laughs> Several of the traveling scholars and wizardly types moving up to the tower had also been either killed or dragged into the water by the abominations. Dr. Phineas Finebrook is nowhere to be found. Okay, Son of a... I'm fine. Fucking... I'm calm. I'm calm. It's okay. probably nothing. He's probably dead. One can only hope. He didn't even keep his end of the bargain. What a fuck. Cherish, mm -hmm. <laughs> you will eventually find a feather made of silver resting on your bunk. Okay. With a note written in a fine curly Q script that says, when you're ready, ask your question into the feather. Sincerely, FF. Great. Wait, 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 wait. His name is Phineas, spelled with an F. Yeah. Are you goddamn serious? I, was I hate it, this guy. I'm spelling it P H. Yeah, God. the normal way. The normal way. I hate this guy. Well, I guess in the end, this all worked out for me pretty well, but I still hate that guy. The rest of your journey passes with little to no more incident. The river is a relatively calm, 
and safe journey from this point forward. Is there anything each of you would like to accomplish in the next five days of travel? Yeah, I'm slowly gaining a young girl's trust. You discover in a weird way. The young girl <laughs> Esha had gone to Stormhaven during the Maker Festival to find her forge-bound item, as so many children do. She eventually found herself bonding with a scimitar. Those who forge bond with a weapon are known as the blade bonded. And they are highly sought after by the guardian guilds. Hmm. It was also at the Maker Festival that she showed her first signs of being able to use magic. For now, all she can do is a very simple illusory cantrip, creating a silent, still image of herself or the scimitar floating in the air. Hmm. When she found her abilities awakened, perhaps by her forge bond, perhaps just by the beginning of puberty, she thought better of her time spent among the Jarashir and knew that with all of the gifts given to her all at once, there was really only one course she could take, and that was to eventually become one of the Thunder Guard. Between being blade bonded and the use of magic, and she immediately rejected that course and hoped to find her way to the tower to seek sanctuary with the old mage. That is what you learn over the course of five days. Great. Anything else anyone would like to accomplish while moving upriver? Well, um, I, I wanted to go have tea or something with Dr. Phineas Feinbrook, but I guess that's not happening now. Um, I think... I think Cherish like finds some some like alone time and some privacy to I don't think she asks a question. I think she just sort of sits and stares at the feather for like a real long time one of those days. But I don't think she ever actually asks anything. Okay. It's just a very poignant camera shot <laughs> hmm. other than that I think she just sort of I don't know practices magic <laughs> Grawl Sid anything in particular you'd like to accomplish Um, I want to want to help like fix things i guess like there like if there is damage or whatnot to the the barges i want to help kind of like repair um 
I've also okay. want to keep hold, handing out uh uh want to hand out some like uh more earplugs just in case. Um, <laughs> the never know. seems to have ceased after you the troll know. attack. You don't know when that but, could pop up. But you never know. Yeah. yeah. Um uh yeah. Mostly I just want to I want to help out um because uh I didn't really do that much um other than just like fight and really make a lot of friends. Okay. So, lending a strong arm to the captains of the three barges, you make yourself useful over the next five days, helping seal up broken pieces of wood with spare, helping move some of the stored containers near damaged sections of the barges away from there, helping to shore up lines where they had been destroyed by the strange hooting aberrations. And in that time, you are constantly just a little bit angry at the lack of final confrontation with Dr. Finebrook. His slightly sneering expression is just etched into your mind. But what strikes you even harder is that odd sensation you felt whenever you grew close to him. The feeling of hard stone slabs beneath your feet, the smell of old books, and the feeling of shelves just beyond your skin that you could neither see nor touch. I don't like him. I really don't like him. Sid, anything you would like to accomplish? So, a series of... Uh conversations um a very mean uh instrument uh vendor um and uh, most recently um during the journey uh being scolded by storm piercer um for kind of not taking any of this seriously enough um not living up to his potential um and just not being as effective in combat as he feels like he could be um so as opposed to what maybe he would normally be doing which would be socializing um talking with um the passengers um catching up with with his teammates he spends um the majority of his time uh on the roof of the um the third barge um the name i apparently did not write down the eldritch uh, hauler eldritch hauler um, and just practicing, running through drills. Um, um, he, yeah, he, he's, yeah, he's not, he doesn't want to get lazy again. He wants to be ready for the next fight, whenever it is. Okay. Uh, Gregoni. Hmm. How many boxes will you, if Tirza trains with Sid for some of those, how many boxes will you allow us to tick off on our... <laughs> This will not make sense to listeners because it happened during the lost episode, but Listman and I are in the midst of creating a an amazing Captain America Black Widow-esque throw where I toss him off of my shield. And We're working on it. I have discovered a mechanical way in which we can perfect this, which is mm -hmm. if you spend 10 sessions of training 
then I will not require a skill challenge to achieve this in combat. Mm -hmm. So, depends. How many days do you devote to doing this training? And I'll say this much. For every day you devote training in this little maneuver, that is one less day you spend talking with, with Asha. Yes. Uh, okay. There's five days left? Yes. I'm just going to spend one training then. Okay, so you can mark off one more box on your okay. shield launch maneuver. <laughs> um, Tirza, when you're training with Sid, um, he's not really talking much. Um, mostly what you hear him say is, again, um, and then he gets himself into ready position uh, and tries the maneuver again. It's a little... It might be a little strange. Uh, um, but... Actually, you know... Probably makes her feel right at home. That's pretty much all Neta says to her while training anyway. Aww. Right. This is the most comfortable you've ever been to sit. Okay. <laughs> cool. From the cloak about your shoulders, Tirza, while training with Sid, there is a sense of comfort and familiarity that comes out from the cape. But there is also a sense of empathetic pain that radiates from the cape as well. Okay. Sid, the whole while while you're training Storm Piercer, remains silent. Yeah, and I'm not specifically talking to Storm Piercer. Right. Um, but it has no comment on the scenario. Maz, on the other hand, is full of suggestions about what the question should be. And I think that's maybe part of why Cherish hasn't asked yet, because Maz keeps probably bringing up a lot of good questions to ask. Most of them pertain to how to become stronger. Yeah. Very few of them pertain to your personal inquiries. Most of them revolve around magical formula involved in making fireballs stronger or being able to change the damage types of spells, being able to modify certain attributes of your magical capabilities. Questions that are intriguing when Maz brings them up. And exactly. Very, very just like, that's even possible? Science. But magical science at the very least. But they're very much not in any way related to any personal questions you might have. Yeah. <laughs> you okay there, Olivia? Yeah, what are you I, doing? There's, there was like a single <laughs> strand of spider web that was like coming off of my light and it was <laughs> like slithering towards me. It was very disturbing. I mean, it's probably on you. Yeah. That much we do know. On the last day of your journey, as the old mage's tower comes into view, for some of you, it is the first time seeing the structure. For others, this is a quasi-familiar sight, having come here several times in the past. Uh, actually, really fast, I'm sorry to interrupt your narration. Have, has Tirza seen the tower this close before? Never this close. From your village 
on a very clear day, you could perhaps see the tower. It is that large of a structure. Mm -hmm. But this close, it is even more impressive and imposing. This is definitely the first time I've seen it. You guys were so right that spider was on me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) It's not anymore. So, uh, real quick, we're on the 16th day of salt, yes? Yes. Okay. Coming out from the mouth of the river that empties into Lake Quelio, you find the barges moving towards a large dock facility that borders a small town that rests at the bottom of the tower itself. The tower is a huge stone edifice made from swirling bands of onyx and marble and opal. It has three tertiary towers that seem to float off to the side at differing levels up the length of the tower. Each of those tertiary towers is occasionally bridged by a band of magical light, but at other times it is just free-floating slowly moving around the circumference of the tower itself. The structure stands perhaps a thousand feet tall in total. Its myriad levels devoted to magical research and study, the top few levels of which are the personal residence of the old mage herself and her personal laboratory and library. Students of magic come from all over the valley to hone their abilities and study more about the ways of magic that keep the survivors of the Calamity 500-some-odd years ago going as they find better ways of making use of what little resources remain. Grawl, you studied here briefly for whatever that meant to you. Cherish. Could have been better. You probably had a bit more of a productive time here, though you probably studied here for just as little time. Yeah, I did spend the first, I mean, I spent the first half of our fifth trial year, like, trying to figure out stuff about the, you know, oh my god, what was that place called? The, the Dakmore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you come along to these docks and this small town that is mostly made up of the support staff of the tower itself, as well as a few inns for people who are coming and going from the tower, you can see in the distance along the crescent shore of Lake Quelio, Crescent's Edge, the town Grawl, where you fought your first cultist. Yeah. And if you stare long enough in the distance, Tirza, you can perhaps convince yourself that you see the Bari village where you grew up. So, it has been a scant 12 days, or 16 days since your final trial with the Skein Witch, and you find yourself at the Old Mage's Tower. What do you do? I 
knock is on it, the door. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> is there is like, how, is it like a big? Is there a courtyard to it, or is it just like you, st- like in the tower? Is is everything? Everything is primarily in the tower. There are gardens and a pretty wide park sectioned off behind the park, the tower, where more druidic magics are focused. Um, I I haven't been here, but does everything look... Nothing looks... So basically, the last... Like, I saw um, Lacrazia... She basically said that she was going to go kill the 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 um the old mage mm-hmm. does does it look like the tower's been attacked or people are not as far as you can tell okay as you disembark captain guru thanks you heartily for your service if you ever have need of the lock wardens uh at least in this section of the world he will be more than happy to lend aid to your cause he looks mournfully down along the river where several days passed he and the few lock wardens that remained buried their compatriots in the water but he knows that without your aid far more would have died we're the best um, I do think that before they disembark, Cherish does briefly apologize to Captain Poomers for setting the barge on fire. Captain Wolfhard Poomers of the Hefty Bounty is very understandable, given that he and his crew were personally responsible for dragging the corpse of the dire troll out. And if it meant killing that thing, he's honestly pretty shocked that most of his supplies made it through this whole venture so the fact that you a only set his barge on fire a little bit and b managed to kill a dire troll i mean everything else is gravy (laughs) okay i just wanted to make sure she apologized Mm because that did suck why is everything gravy (laughs) (laughs) so re what we're doing here i mean we were we were personally invited by the old mage yeah mm-hmm. so does she know to expect us or are we just supposed to find her i if we're if we're walking into if we're just kind of not barging but if we're walking into the tower like i'm I'm trying to remuster my anger at the old mage like we had 12 days ago <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah i think that if we're just sort of walking in there, Cherish definitely goes up to somebody, you know, vaguely looking like they might be in charge of something and saying, like, we, the old mage is expecting us. Zenerva is expecting us. The double doors of the tower lead into a huge, airy space that basically takes up the entire forest floor. The grand atrium of the tower has dozens of staircases leading to places all over the tower. The staircases seem to shift and move occasionally as they're reorienting towards some new location. There is a grand desk made of deep mahogany sitting just in front of the double doors, and behind it is a familiar face, at least to Grawl and Cherish, 
and that is the steward of the tower. Can I bring Esha with us this far, or can I try to convince her to come with me? For I mean, her, now? her absolute destination is the tower, so if she, it takes very little convincing for her to go to the tower with you. Okay. Uh, and what did I know this steward's name? Yes. The steward of the tower is named Rigel Goodbody. Okay. I'm going to call him Stuart. He is an officious human man of indeterminate age. He has a very finely groomed mustache, a slightly balding pate, and a very stern manner about him. He takes his job as the guardian of the entrance to the tower very seriously. You've never been able to determine in your time here whether or not he can, in fact, use any magic. All you know is that anyone not welcome in the tower will have Rigel Goodbody to deal with. How tall is he? He is 5'7". Okay, I can work with that. Yeah, so I walk right up, right up to Rigel, uh, right up to Rigel. Uh, uh, Rigel, Zenerva's expecting us. And he will, like, he's standing behind this desk. There's no chair <laughs> to speak of, and we'll simply look down at the five of you because Esha is slightly scared standing behind Tirza. Who is only slightly less scared <laughs> this whole situation. I don't give a shit. <laughs> the desk itself is rise, raised up about five feet above all of you, so he is staring down at you imperiously. And we'll say, yes, of course. You are, of course, expected. Please, Take the third staircase on your left. Thank you. And I head off. Yeah, yep. I'm gonna, go. I'm gonna yeah. follow. I'm gonna take Esha's little, little baby hand and follow. Okay. And Esha will look up at you, tears, and say, "Are, are we going to see the old mage now?" Uh, <clears throat> yes, apparently so. Um. Don't worry, she's she's not nearly as intimidating as... Well, I guess she is really as intimidating as she seems. It'll be alright, I promise. She's absolutely <laughs> terrifying. You honestly, kid, Honestly, kid, it's more underwhelming than anything else, so you're gonna be fine. Oh no, she's got fangs and, and, and horns, and it's just it's just a nightmare to behold. Cherish Cherish like is still walking but turns around and is walking backwards and says, I have fangs and horns. And 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 she's purple and and ooh, so scary. And Esha will look over at Cherish and look at Grawl and Grawl, give me an intimidation check. God. No. Hey, hey, I have a plus six to that. You really want to? Yeah. <laughs> Character sheet, go. Uh, no, seriously. Okay, it's a, it's only it's only a fourteen. I don't know. Well, okay, this she's this a child. This eleven year old girl is 
going to drag her heels a little bit and sort of like her hand loosens its grip to tears <laughs> of, and she, she will stop before she hits the first stair. God damn it. Grawl, you absolute unit? Jackass. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. And, that too. And, and she'll say, I I shouldn't be here. I, I, I need to I need to go. Uh can I does she mean here here or uh in the tower here? <sighs> well, you know Girl. she's kind of hugging her scimitar and is looking terrified up at the staircase behind you and slowly backing away. Um, Esha, I promise that no harm will come to you. I... You are a deeply special sister, and I want to make sure that you're taken very good care of here. And Zenerva runs this place. So I will, um, I will speak your case to her. Give me you know, I'm pretty good terms. persuasion roll. Mm-hmm. How about a 17? All right, that overcomes the intimidation. And she eats children. Ooh. <laughs> oh, and, and also and don't listen to Grawl. He's, he's full of Nonsense. Yeah, meat. It's I mostly meat. meat. Yeah, I was gonna say I I slap girl. <laughs> Very Still, obviously faking it. Uh, this eleven-year-old girl does not know that. I thought she was twelve. Not that that makes a huge difference. Still tentative and nervous, Esha follows you up this staircase. That at from the main floor it looked as though it was just a straight staircase leading up to a wall but as you get about 25 steps up you see that there's a gentle curve to it that loops around and moves you up through the floors the composition of the staircase changes as you go up at first it is marbled stone then it becomes this fine transparent quartz Eventually, as you're walking, it is a hardened, mirror-sheened obsidian. And then finally, it is a refracting, shimmering diamond. Hmm. You're certain you pass through several floors, at the very least, though you never see another soul as you move up this staircase. You never see another door leading out onto another. You never even lose sight of the atrium below you, but you know you're going up and up and up the center of the tower. Though if you look down over the railing, you see Rigel's desk hundreds of feet below you. Hmm. The number of steps you're taking does not seem to correlate with the amount of distance you're moving. Hmm. And crazy. by the by the time you reach the diamond stairs, there is a sense of vertigo as you look down, and you can see that you are nearly 800 feet in the air. 
Ooh. Ooh. Cool. I pushed crawl over the railing. Kidding. Hey, girl, how do you feel about heights? I feel. <laughs> I'm not convinced. <laughs> Eventually, at the very top of these crystalline stairs, you find a very fine-looking polished oak door that is a thriving bright brown as though the wood itself is still alive. I knock on it. With my gauntlet hands. How many times do you knock? Three. On the third knock, the doors open. All right. Yay. Guess we go in now. Yep. Let's get this over with. Walking through the doors is like a sudden nightmare grips you. As your feet touch on an empty surface, looking down into the Tempest Rest Valley, for a brief, horrifying moment, you think you haven't left the final trial, as you find yourself in the very same position you were when you finally put an end to the Skane Witch. Mm, great. <laughs> Give me perception checks, everybody. I guess that's better than roll initiative. <laughs> yeah. Not great. Oh, good. Nice. Uh, 13? Three. <laughs> uh, 15. Grawl, what did you get? Nine. Nine. So, three, 15, nine. Cherish, what were you? 13. 13. All right. So... Cherish and Sid, yeah. as you're staring down at the Tempest Rest Valley beneath you, you can see several critical differences from when you saw it last. Before, it was just a valley ringed with storm clouds. Now you can see that there is no outer storm ringing the valley that you can see. It stops abruptly at the mountains. So there is no map beyond the Stormwall Mountains, as opposed to before, where you saw out into the outer storm, at least for a little distance. Yeah. This is just the valley itself. Hmm. There are also five glowing blue lights flickering at different points within the valley. There are also several bright crimson lights at different points in the valley. Mm -hmm. There are far more crimson lights than there are. Hmm, the blue good. ones, the blue you can count. The crimson, there are much smaller lights, but there are much more of them, and they seem to be at every corner of the valley. I don't like that at all. Yeah. As you watch, though, the image below you quickly fades and becomes worn flagstone. 
and you find yourself in a large open chamber, at the center of which is a pedestal with a shimmering crystal sphere. Just behind that sphere stands Zenerva, her white clothing rippling with gold and silver inlay, the strange helix staff that she carries floating just to the right of her shoulder. As the spell she is casting ends, the staff gently lowers itself into her grasp, and she looks up at all of you as you enter. And she has a brief, slightly faltering smile on her lips as she sees the four of you. Well, what was, uh, what was that? And she says, that was the valley. That is how I am able to keep track of certain things. Okay. I'm guessing those red lights aren't good. The red lights are part of the reason I called you here. Yes. So why don't we just get to it then? Very well. She'll walk over to you and you can see that this room now is a finely appointed study. There is a fireplace off to one side. Bookshelves line the walls. There are several small tables with notes and diagrams scattered on them. You can see that there is another door on the far side that presumably leans to Zenerva's personal chambers. But this is at least her sitting room slash lab slash research area. Mm-hmm. In the... For the first time in any of yours recollections, you can hear footsteps being made as the old mage moves. Hmm. You can hear the click of her staff on the stones beneath her. The weight of her body is apparent mm -hmm. in a way that wasn't before. Yeah. And here in this place, she seems much older than you have seen her before. There are lines on her face that weren't there when you saw her ever in Stormhaven or even here at the tower in the times you've talked to her. There is a weight on Zenerva that it wasn't there before. Kind of sad. She leans a little bit heavily on her staff as she comes towards you, Cherish, and then with her offhand will extend it and say, do you still have it? Still have what? No. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. I think it would be best if I took it. And why is that? Because it is a dangerous and terribly unpredictable magical artifact that is best not traipsing about the world. And what if I say <clears throat> no? That is your right. I would simply warn you never to draw a card from it. Yeah. I said that. Yeah, that makes sense. Very well, then. She will lower her outstretched palm and turn away and say, 
Please, have a seat. Can I get you anything to drink? I'm good. <laughs> I'm fine as well. No, thank you. I, I could use a drink. What can I get for you, girl? Um, I'll take uh, one glass of water, and then uh, I would like some hot... Do we have? Is there hot chocolate in this world? It would be exceedingly rare. I would like hot chocolate, please. <laughs> she says, very well. And on an end table near the fire, you hear the clatter of china. And as she waves a hand, a pitcher of water, several glasses, and a steaming carafe of what you can only assume to be hot chocolate appears. Cool. Um, is the little girl with us still? Is Esha still with us? Yes, and mm -hmm. she is deathly silent, standing behind Tirza, sort of gripping at the hems of your tabard. Great, cool. I'm going to go grab the hot chocolate and take it to her. And she will move away from you in fear. That's okay. I hand it to Tirza. It's fair enough. I had my fun. Uh, yeah, I will, of course, give her... Uh, I'll, I'm actually going to kneel down and, um, like, take, put it into her hands. And she will, like, take the warm beverage, not quite sure what to do with it, and she'll look at Grawl nervously and then look back up at you. And I'll, um, I'll, do the, the I'll nod, just give her, like, a little, uh, reassuring nod. Go on. And she'll give it a little sip. And then her eyes will widen. And then she'll give it a bigger sip. And then go, ah, 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 ah. Hot. So I love her so much. Sid and Cherish, while this interaction is going on, you, you watch as Anerva and her face draws into a frown as she sees the small child with you. And she says, in a voice that doesn't match her expression, Oh, and who's this then? Uh, Tirza, would you like to introduce uh, me? This is, and she'll stand. This is, this is Sister Esha. She, she comes to you seeking aid. Um, Esha, can you, can you show her what you can do? And Esha will stand still, just very, very scared. Her scimitar kind of in the crook of her arm as she... She never is, like, <laughs> belted so the scimitar cute. on. She only ever carries it. Holds it. Oh, my God. And she'll stare at you and then stare over at the old mage who, when the little girl looks up at her, she'll adopt a kindly, almost matronly smile. And she'll kind of nod shakily and then close her eyes real tight and then suddenly right next to her there is a secondary image of herself also standing there in kind of a stock still just staring forward pose and Zenerva will say oh my that's very impressive and she'll move over to the young girl and kneel down 
And it's only then that you notice that the Zenerva who moved forward and kneeled is not the same Zenerva who is standing off to the side, leaning on her staff. Gross. This younger, more full-of-life-looking Zenerva will lean down and say, That's quite the impressive trick. I can do something similar myself. And the little girl will look between the Zenerva standing off to the side and then the Zenerva leaning, kneeling down, and she's just like, seeing what her abilities like end point might be mm-hmm. so as you can see this is she wants to learn magic and i can't keep her from what's clearly a natural ability so but i want to make sure that she's safe here and that that she's free to do what she wishes. Zenerva, the Zenerva who is leaning on her staff, will nod solemnly, looking at you, and say, "I understand." And the Zenerva who is kneeling down in front of the small girl say. But if you're going to stay here, I do have one very important question for you, child. And Esha will, like, nod very slowly, her afterimage sort of beginning to shimmer and fade, because it doesn't last very long. And Zenerva will ask, Why come here? There are a thousand places you could have run. Jarashir aren't everywhere in the valley. Why come to me? And Esha will say, because this is where people come to learn. And the old mage who is kneeling will nod and stand up and walk back to stand next to her leaning counterpart. And they will both nod. And the image of Zenerva flashes and disappears, and the older, wiser-looking Zenerva will say, That is the correct answer. And so long as you maintain that truth about yourself, you are welcome within the halls of... So cute. But, for now... I would ask that you find your way down to Rigel. He will see to your needs. I must talk to your friends here for a time. And Esha, still holding her sword, will just, like, nod, but then look over to you, Tirza, before she actually does anything to move. I'm going to kneel down again and give her a big hug. Um. And she'll try to hug you awkwardly around her sword. I love it. It's so cute. Um, Our paths diverge here, but, but just remember, you are always my sister. And if you need, need anything, I'll find you. And I send her on her way. She nods and makes a almost instinctive the three-pointed sign of the Jarashir around her head. 
<gasps> and I do the knit a pat on the shoulder thing too. <laughs> she almost like she can't control herself, she almost goes down onto a kneel in front of you, but then stops herself because she was about to drop her sword. <laughs> and then, like, kind of at a loss for words, she just squeaks a small thank you and scampers out of the room. Um, and as she opens the doors, you see that Rigel Goodbody is standing just outside, arms folded behind his back. And he says, Right this way, young lady. Can, I don't know. My instinct is I want to make a little uh, tears, vaguely Tirza-esque shaped silhouette out of dancing lights and send it along with her. <gasps> That's so cute. <laughs> do you do that? I want to. So yes, I'm going to. And I'm okay. and I'll I'll say this this will follow you for a ways. If you need it. And she, with her offhand that's not holding her scimitar, she'll take the hand of Rigel Goodbody and the little dancing lights version of Tears of will follow her and she'll just like look pleased as punch as she moves away from the door. Okay. But the doors will close by themselves, and when they finally shut, Zenerva will let out a somewhat gratified sigh. Just kind of a... <sighs> but then, as your attention turns back towards her, the small look of satisfaction on her face begins to fade. Mm -hmm. And she'll say, Sorry, but... The child can't hear what I have to say. Oh, no, of course not. Are we talking about the Skane Witch? Talking what about the Skane Witch. About the valley. I think it would be easier if I simply answered whatever questions you had. If I tried to tell you the whole story, we could be here for a very long time. All right, well... Ah. Uh, Unless anybody else wants to go first. Yeah, go for it. Um, so, uh, you did confirm my suspicion uh, that the Skane Witch was trying to um, help reverse all of the bad stuff that happened. Is that, that correct? That is a simplified version of what occurred. Okay. Um, did you know that follow up. advance? Me? No, uh, uh, Zenerva, did you know that that's what the Skane Witch was doing? I did not know precisely the nature of the this power's incursion until I, early last year. I would like to roll an insight, insight check to see if she lying and or hiding in Okay. <laughs> Love it when he says it like that. <laughs> it's either uh, you, you have no way of getting this, or you're gonna get this. I mean, I got a twenty. You got a twenty on insight. Yeah, not natural, dirty. As far as you can tell, she is being on you. 
cool. Okay, so follow up question there. Um, uh, if you knew, uh, why did she have to die? Because what she called undoing the problem could very well have destroyed the entire world. It is more complicated than some mindless fate weaver could have undone. The skein which pulled the strings of you four as well as others but in and of itself it was a puppet. Puppet of who? That is a very good question. One I would sorely like to know the answer to. Who gotta turn back the notes? Why us? Why the... Well, originally I assumed the 16 of us. What... Is there any logic to it or any pattern? Do you want the answer that will make you happy or do you want the truth? I think we have earned the truth, ma'am. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm already pretty cranky, so... Yeah, truth. I I believe I know a little bit, at least. Based on my research and what I've come to discover about at least the threadless that remain, you were chosen because you are touched by outer powers. What what does that what's that supposed to mean? <clears throat> it means by coincidence, by faith, by lineage, you have all been shaped or affected by forces beyond the prime material. Sid, your own elvish heritage speaks to this. Hmm. Tirza, your people's faith worships. While it is a thing that would swallow us, it is also a thing from beyond. Hmm. Cherish you are descended not to put it too bluntly from devils I suppose Valor and I are in the same boat so to speak and she'll turn to Grawl and say you are the outlier you I don't comprehend 
He'll just shrug. Beats me too. I don't get it. But as far as I can tell, every other member of the third list is somehow connected to forces beyond the prime material. That is the thread which connects you all. Barring, and she'll look over at Grawl again, certain outliers. So what do we do now? Are we, is the valley safe? Is it not safe? Terra snorts. And Zenerva will look to you and ask, what have you told them already? Well, your hold on Camion made it difficult for me to tell them anything. Camion is a loyal servant? Perhaps too loyal for their own good. You're not infallible. I never claim to be. But you never claim to not be. It's just as bad. You're also looked at, you're also looked at as a as a almost a a deity in this valley. The way that people look at you. I never asked for worship. I have been simply been blessed with enough power and time to effect great change in this world. As opposed to some, I don't try to hide away in some far-off corner. I make my presence known who I would save. There is no mystery to me. Those who wish answers are free to come to my tower and ask them. Certain secrets must be kept for the safety of everyone, but I do what I can to dispel the fog of mystique that would otherwise transform me into, as you say, perhaps a deity, a worshipped false god. I would not be that. Okay, agree to disagree. Um, uh, oh, yes. Uh, my indignation, or not quite indignation, um, my... Uh, Brattiness. Again, I haven't told them much, but they know something of incursions of power that can come to the valley. I managed to get that much out. It's true. And now that we are secure and alone, I can perhaps expand upon that. What else do you wish to know? Do I know everything? Of course not. Yeah, that's about what I expected. Cherish, maybe you'd better elaborate first. Uh, and yeah. Tirza's hand is uh, gripped on the end of the warhammer. Like I said, during my presentation at the Wandering Rose, I attempted to tell you more and I should have. I should have I should have told Camion to be quiet and to just let me talk. I shouldn't have let them mess everything up. Mm. 
God. Where is it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Should I should I go over all this or just sort of like Cliff notes it. Okay. The outer storm is unbelievably powerful. Zenerva is has to keep constant attention near constant attention on it to keep it at bay and to keep the valley safe from the wrath of the storm. The skein which doing what she did was probably inevitable though, because it's not it's not a foolproof method. It I mean it can't be. There are portals that open inside the valley sometimes Camion is part of a group that goes and seals them up, but they can't stop them from happening. That's probably how I was able to come here as a child, as a baby. And that's that's about that about sums up what I know. And these portals, so like you said, they lead to hell or various other uh uh and Zenerva will speak planes. up and say I they are funnels to many places all of them dangerous to the inhabitants of the valley Cherish why did you feel like you couldn't tell us this and Zenerva will speak up and say that is because I insisted that this not be shared unless absolutely necessary. Beyond the walls of this tower are many ears, all of which are looking for hope and continuity in their lives. If they hear that the peace of this valley is as fragile as it is, it would mean chaos. I also spent some time with Camion during one of the year breaks. And I promised them that I wouldn't. I promised them I wouldn't reveal any of this again unless it's absolutely necessary. And when we were about to go against the scheme, which I thought it was, but I should have said something. And I regret not doing that. Good. You should regret it. Okay, well, that's a little extreme. I just said that like I did. So I'm being sincere, Tirza. And Zenerva will say, if you knew this then, would it have changed your actions? Nope. Maybe, maybe not, but I don't like being lied to. I apologize for the necessity for secrecy. <laughs> In this, at least, I must constantly work. And Cherish is right that the, the maintenance of the storm wall barrier is my highest priority. 
the ritual needed to keep the outer storm where it is requires that I only leave this tower once every eight hours. From there, I enact a ritual atop the Crescent Isle at the center of Lake Quelio. If this ritual is not performed precisely and exactly at every eight-hour interval, the outer storm would annihilate the Tempest Rest Valley. Um, just a, this is a bit of a sidebar, I guess, but um, do you know what that woman was who was with us? I believe her name was Lucrecia. I can't be absolutely sure, but she may have fallen into league with that which I wish to speak of next. Okay. What precisely her connection is to some extraplanar force, I can't be certain, as I have not had time or chance to have a meeting with her, speak with her, study her in any fashion. Her presence is an elusive one within the valley. My power is not infinite by any means. I can't go spying on anyone thither and yon. I can observe those within the tower and those within Stormhaven, but little else. Um, is there any reason why she would want to kill you? That is part of the reason why the secrets you seem so upset about have been kept for so long. If any succeeded in killing me, it would mean the end of the Tempest Rest Valley. So that's what those worshippers of chaos are doing. The worshippers of Azitahaka. And she looks at you, Tirza, with a mournful gaze and says, I had not known what they worshipped before, though this confirms some guesses I had. I am unsure precisely of what they intend. All I know is they have been gifted power by some unknown force that is beyond my knowledge with this power they have been sowing chaos throughout the valley killing my agents to ensure that some of the realm scars remain open and making moves to destabilize my own power base outside of Stormhaven and the tower itself could this have anything to do with pyre scale She looks very pensive for a moment, 
and says, I don't believe so. It would be very... To wait 500 years to make such a move makes no sense. The dragon and I have an accord. I have reason to believe otherwise. Yes? Tirza and I were talking about the symbol that they uh, have branded on themselves. And long story short, we cut a guy's arm off. Um, it burned to ashes and the symbol left behind was different than that one. And it was, according to Tirza, a twisted and bastardized form of the Azidahaka symbol. I had drawn this on a piece of fabric with some charcoal and I I destroyed it at Tears' request. And then the next time I went to sleep I I dreamt that I was in the that forest. The charcoal pines? The charcoal pines. Um, and I came across this symbol again after hearing a voice that asked if I dared challenge its flame. And did I see Pyrescale during that dream? Sorry, quick aside. No. No, I just heard a voice, and I just assumed it was Pyrescale. Okay. I also saw a vision of my death, including the same voice? Can I make that extrapolation? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not like I'm not like asking like oh I'm if I'm right but like that's a a reasonable conclusion to come to. They were both deep and terrible voices that sounded like rending stone and the crackling of fire. That's what I say. Good times. The old mage will lean all the more heavily on her staff moving over to a tall back chair near the fire she will slump down and look tired staring into the middle distance she will say it doesn't make any sense why would he move against me now I don't want to believe, and she'll look up at all of you, that Pyre Scale is behind this. While the dragon may be a greedy and, let's face it, evil creature, it remains in this valley by my mercy. As far as I know, it is the last of its kind. It knows this. It knows that I know this. 
It just doesn't make sense. Why now? Why not before? Maybe Maybe something convinced it. Maybe it just figured out the dragons can fuck. (laughs) I don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) And she'll look to you, Cherish, and say, you say you heard this voice in a dream. Yes. Both times in a dream? Well, the first time was after the whole Skane Witch debacle, so I'm not really sure what that qualifies as. Hmm. This requires thought. Perhaps even a parlay with the dragon. I have have a tacit agreement with Pyrescale not to intrude upon his territory. I tried warning those who founded Rushton that it edged far too close to the dragon's hold, but mortals do as mortals do. The reason I asked the four of you here perhaps lines up with answering some of these questions. This cult that has afflicted the valley It seeks to undo me and undo the peace we've built here. Not to put too fine a point on it, but without me, this valley will fall to chaos and ruin. And my attention is needed to maintain that peace. I need... I need help. And I was hoping the four of you at least could give it. I mean, when you put it that way, we help you or everything we know and love is destroyed. Doesn't seem like we have a choice, do we? Of course there is a choice, said and it seems that they're after us already, so... I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to do it, I'm just... No. And she'll, like, as Sid's saying that, she'll smile and say, Angela said the same. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Okay. Well, what do you what do you want us to do? What are we what are we doing? What's the game plan? And she'll stand up slowly, move her way over to the crystal ball in the center of the room, and say, "This may be a bit frightening." And she'll put a hand on the crystal ball, and the walls around you will disappear, the ceiling will disappear, and you find yourself standing above the Tempest Rest Valley again. Below you, you see those five points of blue light scattered across the valley, as well as those dozens of smaller red points of light. And she'll say, The blue lights are known 
realm scars, portals to other places, leaking danger into this valley. My agents have identified these scars, but any who attempt to seal them have been killed. The red marks you see are rumored locations of these cultists, where I have heard a scant whisper. My agents have found some sign, or have they have made overt moves against those who serve me. I don't know precisely what I need you to do besides get to the bottom of why this cult is acting the way it is, who is giving them orders. Because I believe it was you threadless who are somehow tied into all of this. I mean, they've definitely tried to kill us a few times now. Perhaps that is only because they seem to think that you are connected to me somehow. Oh, there's the price on my head because I set a bunch of their stuff on fire. That probably didn't help. Nope. (laughs) Well, they kidnapped my mom, so... So, fuck them. And Zenerva will freeze and say, they kidnapped Kalkan. Yeah, a couple years ago. It was between the first and second tests, I believe. I'm I'm glad she made it out all right. Me too. That is unnerving, though. Yeah, it really sucked. Like, they were having her make weapons or oversee in the making of weapons or something. Hmm. They weren't telling me anything. As you've probably guessed by now, none of the other Threadless who I extended this invitation to have responded. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Valor and Judah both told us when the test was over that they were leaving. And I have not had any contact with Camion since that occurred as well. I am not entirely sure where they got to. As for the small gnome, well, (laughs) it's probably for the best. If she doesn't know about any kind of doomsday plot. Yeah, that sounds right up her alley. Yes. The ninth... Lucrezia, you said her name was? Yeah. I fear she has become a weapon of this cult. Perhaps one aimed at the four of you, perhaps aimed at me. I'm unsure. I think it's probably you. More is the better. No, none of us could know for sure. Yeah, no. Definitely not. Give me a deception roll. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
13. <laughs> She'll give you sort of a side eye, but not make any comment about it. She'll then point to a point of blue light just to the east, a little ways into the eastwood, past the town of Crescent's Edge. And she'll say, This is the nearest realm scar. It might be easiest to start your investigations there. That being said, this is a choice. I am not forcing you to do anything. Even if you think there is no options here, there are. It speaks to your character that you believe that helping me is your only course of action. What say you? So is that it? That's our task to to destroy this realm scar, I'd say. Ultimately, your task is to discover the root cause of this cult's activity. I would think that moving to one of the realm scars might be the easiest way to draw them out. But if you have other ideas, other plans that might work, you're welcome to try them. Hmm. I mean, all I know for sure is that any agents I've sent to these realm scars have been dispatched. Well, it sounds as good like a good plan as any. But if you have any other leads, any other methods with which to track this cult, by all means, I am not asking for mindless servants. I'm asking for hands with minds. I'm asking for heroes. Done. Crawl puts his hand up. Amen. <laughs> and if we need a leader, I'll do it. I'll I'll take the sacrifice. I will I will I will You'll terrify children. Hey, I will protect all of the children, okay? I will get them with, so with many fear, hot chocolates. With an iron fist. Hey, mm, yes. Just saying. I have, let's, my, own, let's, I have my own curiosities that can only be satiated by investigating this cult. So, Sid, if you need my help, or Grawl, I don't know who said yes first, but it's yeah. Super Grawl. It was super growl. Growl, if you need my help, I will assist you. No, I, I'm saying that's what I want you to start calling me. No. <laughs> yeah, that's not, not going to happen. Okay, fair no. enough. Tirza? It's my duty to protect everyone in this valley. So I suppose that means yes. <laughs> no matter how distasteful I find all She'll give Tirza a bit of a sad look. 
not pity, just she wishes she could change the events of your life, but doesn't have that power. But as it stands, you agree to help her, so she gives you a firm nod. Uh, Tirza will do a symbol of acquiescence, a Jarashir one. At which point the old mage will nod and say, If by chance you can recruit the other Threadless to this cause, I feel as though it would be a boon. Why the skein which singled you out still remains a question. But I feel as though an entity tied to the infinite strands of fate does not pick the nine of you just for reasons of strange interplanar chance. That's... Do you know where to find them? The others? Uh, did I mean Val? Uh, did Valor tell us he was going back to Fort Verge? Valor said he was probably going to go back to Fort Verge. Okay. okay. Well, that's easy to find. Uh, Judah said he would be returning home to contemplate the entire life breath that he now remembers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Camion disappeared. Yeah. As did Talila. Okay. Well, I guess we're gonna go. We're going on another I, adventure. I have one more matter to discuss, not related to any of any of what we've been talking about, hopefully. We met a super unpleasant guy on the barge um, by the name of Dr. Phineas Finebrook. Oh, his name is even gross. I hate it. Yeah. Zinerva will raise an eyebrow. I'm, I, I don't know this person. Okay, well, that's good. That's fortunate for you. You've <laughs> led a blessed life. <laughs> um, well, if then it's no matter. He, I guess he stole a rhinestone from one of the barges and then disappeared. Um, it's, a, it's a rare magical piece of just one? Yes. It's a long story, but he he said he only needed the one. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm not quite sure what to make of what is he the doctor of? You know, I never asked. I kind of hated having conversations with him, like, ever, so I tried mm -hmm. to make them last as, like, f like, as little as possible. Well, I will ask about. Perhaps there's some record of him here at the tower for among my contacts. Uh, if he is a thief of rhinestone, then he has stolen reagents from the tower itself. I will make sure that my agents elsewhere in the valley know of him. 
Uf. Yeah. So, you're welcome to leave, though I would make one final offer to you, if you wish it. I have extended a great deal of trust to the four of you, so I feel as though this is not much greater a leap. Would you like to watch what I do? Uh, Ross slowly raises his yes. hand. Actually, I don't think Cherish waits that long. I think she almost immediately says yes. Sure. Sure. Uh, tears are just knots. Okay. She will move over to the crystal ball in the center of the room again and place a hand on it, and she'll say to the four of you, stand close. Okay. Mosey on over. As you gather near, you can see, as she focuses on the crystal ball, a circle of light appears around you. Runes inlaid on the floor that you couldn't see because of the projected image of the valley begin to light up. A circle springs up around you, and you are all teleported to that strange circle of standing stones where you fought the Koatoa atop the Crescent Plateau in the center of Lake Quelio. Zenerva will move forward, looking down at a strange device that she pulls out of her pocket, a circular thing with a clock face on it, smaller than any clock you've ever seen, on a silver chain that leads into a pocket. She'll click it closed, turn to the four of you and say, if you could please stand outside the circle. Mm -hmm. Do that. Uh, okay. okay. You step outside the wide standing stone circle. Zenerva will grasp her staff in her left hand and raise her right hand. Upon the ring finger, you can see a banded silver and crystalline ring that shines in the light of late afternoon, early evening. In front of you is the Stormwall Mountain, and burgeoning at its crest are the crackling, multicolored lightning of the outer storm. Purple and black clouds bubble up at the peak of those mountains. And Zenerva, closing her eyes, will hold her staff to one side and raise her hand and begin casting spells, the likes of which none of you have ever seen. Blue, purple, and white light will lance out from her ring. It will strike the black clouds of the outer storm, and an aurora will appear, connecting the plateau to the storm. This close, it's hard to tell, but those of you who would know such thing would know that from a distance, this would be the storm lights. 
the Lake Aurora that appears every eight hours. During the day, you normally can't see it from a distance, but this close, the light is intense and hypnotizing. As whatever spell she is casting ends from her ring, she casts another and another. Two more from the ring, as well as three from the staff. She casts a series of spells that light up the world around her in an aurora of arcane energy. The stones around you begin to glow, and you can see symbols that were almost invisible due to the etching and wear of time burst to light in the stone circle. Do any of you speak or read Primordial? No. Yep. Totally, yeah, yeah. So oh yeah, that's this. a weird language I speak. Mm -hmm. Unable to read any of the symbols that appear in the circle, you can only guess at their meaning. As you watch on, though, you see these lights piercing the outer storm, and I need all of you to make perception checks. Yeah. Okay. That's a shabby. Where's my plus perception? 17? 18. Nothing. 18. I got a one. <laughs> All of you watch as the roiling clouds of the storm rise and fall like a sea in a storm. The clouds themselves seem to have movement and weight that no form of weather should. There is a rippling. There is a movement. There is a sinuous nature to this storm that defies description. It is weather given physical form. It is magic roiling in black clouds. Tirza, mm -hmm. as you watch, you stand stricken by this sight. In fact, I think she probably is on her knees. And as you stare deeply into the storm, there is a form and motion there that is intimately familiar to any of the Jarashir. The rolling scales of a serpent moving just beneath the clouds. And as the spells end, those long, terrible coils begin to slowly sink and fall back into the cloud formations. The storm itself begins to crackle a little less. The multicolored lightning happens only occasionally, and the storm seems to settle back down into normal clouds. A simple trick of the light, a small buckling of pressure, some weird weather pattern, Focused by magic, you're not sure. All you know for sure, Tirza, is that whatever is in that storm, it is truly worthy of worship. At 
once you come away from this reverie, you realize that barely two minutes has passed. But the old mage looks drained as she leans heavily on her staff as this ritual casting ends. She will breathe heavily. And if not for the strength of her staff, she might fall to her knees. The runes on the standing stones fade with their brilliant color. And when it's all done, there's an old elven woman standing in the midst of these standing stones, looking drained and tired. She'll look back to you with a brittle smile and say, this is what I do for the valley. Every day. Three times a day. For the last 521 years. And she gestures you back into the circle. I think Sid is trying to hide how impressed he is about with all that, Jake. He's trying to play it cool. Did we see anything with our rolls? You saw the the crackling clouds, the terrible energy, but it was only whoever rolled the lowest who would have been transfixed by whatever lurks within the storm. Oh, God, that was, like, so convenient that it was me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I just, like, yeah, as as opposed to everyone else, Tears's wouldn't uh, be having a religious revelation. But uh, if anyone else had gotten really really low, you might have had a convert. Oh, oh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> That's I... old there, yeah. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> I think Cherish, like, sorry, just as we're walking back into the circle, Cherish just is like very bluntly asks how long can you keep this up? And the old mage will give you a steady look and then plant her staff in the ground stand a little bit straighter and before she casts teleportation circle again she'll say as long as I need to And you're teleported back to the old mage's tower. When you get back to Zenerva's room, she will quickly move over to a chair and collapse down into it. And she'll say, with a tired voice, if you have any more questions, please make them quick. I need to rest before the next cycle begins. I'm good. We should probably go check into an inn or something. I highly recommend Zippy Snail just outside the tower. Excellent. The what? The The Zippy Zippy Snail. Snail. Okay. I was hoping I heard you wrong. 
Zippy snail. Okay. And just before you leave, moving back through those big, wide double doors, you see the old mage, her eyes closed, staff across her lap. But she'll speak up, despite looking as though she may be asleep already. And she'll say, Last chance, Cherish. If you carry it with you, it may be the doom of all of you. Hey, I'm I'm really dumb. I don't want to take that kind of chance. Mass probably thinks I should keep it, huh? It is a powerful weapon. Do not listen to the old one. But it also might just save us. You touch the deck of many things where it rides at your belt and leave the old mage's sanctum. Eventually you find your way downstairs where Rigel Goodbody gives you a solemn nod. He passes over to Tirza and lets you know that Esho will find a master here. She will find teaching and she is in good hands. She is not the first youngling to find their way to the tower seeking answers. They know how to handle someone in her position. Uh, I nod. And so you leave. A quest in front of you. An inn ready to take you for the evening as you find your way to the Zippy Snail. And like that, we enter into the first true arc I... of material components. <laughs> which is, of course, called The Conspiracy of Scales. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Not sure what that involves. I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out. Yeah. We'll have to find, find out. out. Yeah. It has to. But we won't find out now. Wait. I nah. think we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> Perhaps next time. Perhaps next time. Yeah. Maybe a bit <laughs> next time. <laughs> because in the meanwhile. You can, of course, reach us online at MatcomRPG. That is M-A-T-C-O-M-R-P-G on Twitter. We also have an email address, which is materialcomponentsrpg at gmail.com. We always love hearing from all of our listeners. Do any of my stalwart heroes, now chosen the path of the hero, have anything <laughs> which to plug? Uh, uh... As always, please rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, all of the other good, good websites that do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what they're called. 
a five-star review is the easiest and best way to help support the show it really does help get our name out there and let people know that we're telling a fun story here yeah it's kind of sad though too <laughs> at times yeah <laughs> sometimes it's a bummer but uh, but sometimes we give little girls hot chocolate. Yeah, so. and, we're all, and it's adorable. Girls always having a good time. Girl never has a bad time. <laughs> Unless he's dead, in which case that's a bad time. Anybody else have anything they would like to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Elliot C. Lewis. Um, also on Twitter, uh, just fill up that Matcom RPG hashtag and add us at Matcom RPG. We want. We want you. We you want know, to hear from you. Uncle, you Uncle know, Sam gesture. You know, of course, you want to draw a little girl hugging right. a sword. Yes. One, one hand sword, other hand hot chocolate. It's a dream. <laughs> the best I found I, all of the other, all of the Matt Commers know this, but uh, I found a girl who looks... Mm, just perfect like my little image of what Esha looks like so <laughs> the closest person to get it gets a special prize from olivia i don't know what it is um uh as per usual you can find me on instagram and twitter at the readimus that's t-h-e-r-e-e-d-i-m-u-s um yeah i'm learning how to do the tweeting things so yeah we're so proud yeah, are we are are we proud of this? I don't know. I feel like this is something yes. uh, a train I should have hopped on like years ago. I know someone who is very proud. Yeah. <laughs> but yep. Yeah, and I have nothing to plug. So. <laughs> and of course, you can find me on Twitter at mk gorgoni if you want to dig into my brain about all of this madness. Alternatively, you can, of course, follow our dear friend Omatep at NPC underscore AN, because, of course, he is an important NPC. Even when he's not with us, he's always with us. In our hearts. In our hearts, if not our wallets. <laughs> A little <Yeah>. bit of both. <laughs> so I think that is going to do it for this episode of Material Components. Um... We are going to take a short, short break from the main storyline because as we are recording, we are now straight into the holidays. So it's going to interrupt our recording session or our recording schedule a little bit. But yeah. in the meantime, we have some fun one shots planned and I'm really looking forward to branching out into other tabletop RPG goodness. Mm. So good. So and good. since I am the one who's going to be out, I am very excited to listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you all for listening, and until next time, take care of each other. Good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. <laughs>